Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There we go. Talk Recorded live. Good rising, good afternoon, good evening, and uh, welcome to the Indigo Room, creating our reality talk show. We are live. It is 12 o'clock Eastern Time on Saturday. I keep wanting to say Sunday because, you know, we're so used to doing Sundays, but it's Saturday, 12 o'clock Eastern, um, and we are live here in the Indigo Room where we discuss all things spiritual, and by that I mean that we are non-physical spiritual beings having physical human experiences, and life sometimes can be wicky-wacky as all get out. It could drive you crazy, Um, but it really is a good thing. Life is good, no matter what you're going through, no matter what stresses you may encounter. You do have tools. You call upon those tools. You use your tools. You look in your toolbox. Sometimes you may have to dig deep. (laughs) You may have to dig real deep to find them, but they're there. And um, we hope that uh, you find some parts of the Indigo Room helpful, or if not all parts, that there's something that resonates with you. So today... We will be getting back to reading the um, book called Resurrection by Neville Goddard. And um, we started that last week. Last week we came back for the new year. Been gone for a while. And uh, now we're back hopefully in the same, you know, we're in the same groove. We all need to dust the craziness off our shoulders, all the wicky-wacky off our feet and uh, get crack a Right? <laughs> Linda, I think Linda sent me the picture of the cheese with the thing saying get crack a and Was that you? Or maybe it was Martha. One yeah. of the No, I, I, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> oh, I got to send this with me. <laughs> Linda sent me this picture on Facebook with the with the mouse and um and cheese and crackers and he says, you know, crack a Oh, he had no he had no crackers. He was crack-a-lacking, right? Whacking crackers. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so anyway, hopefully you find something here, you know, that maybe it'll help you to remember that you have certain tools. I know when I um, reread something and I go, oh, yeah, that's right. I could have done that, or, you know, or, yeah, I could have said that, you know, or um, sometimes you may need to call on the law of forgiveness for yourself and for somebody else, or just for yourself, you know, or call on the law of love, or just meditate, be quiet, say nothing, don't talk to anybody, you know, and just go within, and all of your answers, all of your truths are within you, 
no matter what's going on. We all have the we all have the ability to be able to do that. That doesn't mean you're going to do it all the time. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be on point every single time. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be peaceful all the time or not say something wrong or do something crazy. It's just that you can step back and look at what you're doing and look at what you're saying, look at what you're being, and real remember that, as Neville says, everything is expressed through us, right? It's us pushed out. So no matter what you're dealing with on the outside, appearances, it's just you expressed on the outside. So we're going to get back to Neville. We left off on page 17 last week, um, and I want to say hey uh, to Yaren out there in Israel. How you doing, man? What's going on? You don't have audio? Oh, now you have audio. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Something was going on with the talk show. I'm not sure exactly what. But anyway, you can always call in. The number is 724-444-7444. And you enter the TalkCast ID number, which is 33443. Press pound, and you will be connected to us live. Um. It's a beautiful day here in New York. It's gorgeous. The sun is shining. It's warm. I was telling Linda, I went outside. I had no socks on. I really wanted to take my shoes off and walk barefoot, but, you know, it's not that nice, but it's almost that nice. And um, it's a beautiful Saturday here on the East Coast. And I am glad to be here with you all today. I hope you had a great week. Um... If you didn't, well, we could start here. Start fresh. Your week doesn't have to start on Sunday. It could start right now. You could start all over right now today. <laughs> Imagine better than the best you know. That's what's hanging right here in front of me on my uh, desk. So when I go to sleep, I do my best to imagine better than the best I know. Because, you know, what you know is not always the best or what you think is the best. It could be better. Well, I'm glad you're doing great, love. Okay. So we're going to start with page 17 today. And I think um, Deborah said she wanted to read this week. And Linda's going to help read. So I'm going to start it off. And um, then we'll let Deborah read a page or two. And then, Linda, you can pick up the rest. How about that? All right. The subjective mind is the diffused consciousness that animates the world. It is the spirit that giveth life in all substance in a single soul subjective mind. Through all creation runs this one unbroken subjective mind. Thought and feeling fused into beliefs impress modifications upon it. Charge it with a mission, which mission it faithfully executes. The conscious mind originates premises. Do you get that? The conscious mind originates premises. The subjective mind unfolds them to their logical ends. 
So the conscious mind, you know, the thinking mind, the one that we use, you know, to do, to drive our car, to, you know, take, map out destinations, to solve problems, to talk, all that. The conscious, conscious mind originates premises. Well, you know, it says, if I move my body from point A to point B and then move from point B to point C and then from point C to point D and back to A, well, I probably am in, am in a, like a square or a circle, right? So you're doing these logical things. That's the premise. That's your premise. It could be false. It, you, you, could, you could have a false premise. It's still a premise. It's originated by you, your conscious mind. It may not be true. It may not be real. It could be that all blacks are idiots. It could be that all Asians have um, are short. It could be stupid. It could be the dumbest thing, right? It's still a premise that your conscious mind has originated, right? It originated there. Your subconscious proves exactly your point to you. You'll run up on run up into people who are stupid and they all happen to be black. And you run into Asians who are small in stature and they all happen to be I mean, you know, people who are small in stature and they all happen to be Asians. Because your subconscious mind is producing what you have believed to be that premise. You'll just run into every you will never, you know, you'll just never probably see one. And then when you do see somebody who is intelligent, happens to be a black person, you're shocked. Just messes with your whole belief system, right? How could that be true? So the logical, the subjective mind unfolds them to their logical ends. It's what you believe to be true. You're the, you created this premise. The premise originated in your conscious mind, and your subconscious unfolds it. Wrap for your eyes. So if you believe that you will always be broke, broken in Cuda Brown, you know we always like to blame things on Cuda, <laughs> then you, your subconscious mind, your subconscious your subjective mind will unfold it for you. You'll 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 always be broke. You'll always be hustling. You'll always be broke. When the subjective when the subjective mind were the subjective mind not so limited in its initiative power of reasoning, objective man could not be held responsible for his actions in the world. Men man transmits ideas to the subconscious through his feelings. The subconscious transmits ideas from mind to mind through telepathy. Telepathy. Your unexpressed convictions of others are transmitted to them without their conscious knowledge or consent, and if subconsciously accepted by them, will influence their behavior. That is why Neville says everything around us is us expressed, pushed out. The only ideas they subconsciously reject are your ideas of them which they could not wish to be true of anyone. So, if I 
believe that other people are stupid, you certainly can believe that I'm stupid. And I could portray that to you. You know why? Because I'm accepting that in others. So if I'm accepting that in others, and you subconsciously think I'm stupid and I, you know, express that, that's because it's something that I hold within me to begin with. Right? Whatever they could wish for others can be believed of them. And by the law of belief, which governs subjective reasoning, they are compelled to subjectively subjectively accept and therefore objectively express accordingly. Ain't that something? Think about how powerful you are in this mix with that. Just that little paragraph alone. Somebody could not express what they are incapable of accepting that others are. So, you know, like if you can't even accept that if you if you believe and accept that, you know, there's hatred and people are hateful and evil and blah 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 and somebody sees that in you even though you're not expressing that, right? You're not you're not doing that, but you have the ability to accept it if you, you know, believe that. You have the ability to accept their their subconscious their subconscious um suggestion. You ever you ever go I don't know, you at work and somebody says, Ooh, you don't look good. <laughs> Are you sick? Now you may not have been feeling sick. You may have been feeling great. You came in today feeling wonderful. And somebody looks at you and says, Ooh, you don't look good. And all of a sudden now if you're if you're susceptible to others' suggestions, I mean very success, susceptible to others' suggestions, you may actually start to not feel good as the day goes on because that's rolling around in your mind, in your thought process. Why did Joe say I didn't look good? I feel all right. You go look in the mirror. Do I look okay? Is everything? Do I look pale? You may even ask a friend, Karen. Do I look okay? She says, yeah, girl, you look fine. Um, well, Joe said, um, you know, I don't look good today. He asked me if I was sick. I don't feel sick. Do I look sick? Now you have you have a whole conversation about all of that. It may not hit you today. It may hit you tomorrow, next, or a couple of days from now. And all of a sudden you start feeling chills. Oh, yeah, you know. And Joe pops up again. Hey, Sid, wow. Yeah, you really don't look good. I'm going, oh, my goodness. What's wrong with me? (laughs) Am I getting a cold? Am I getting the flu? Next thing you know, you probably do have it. That's how powerful our suggestions are to each other. That's just an example. Happens all the time. I see it happen all the time. I see it at work. I see it everywhere I go. I'm sure you have, too. Yay, Linda's finally got in the chat room. So the partly subjective state, oh, sorry, the subjective mind is completely controlled by suggestion. 
Ideas are best suggested when the objective mind is partly subjective, that is, when the objective senses are diminished or held in abeyance. That means, you know, that sleepy state quietly held back a little bit, right? You get a little drowsy state. This partly subjective state can best be described as controlled reverie, wherein the mind is passive but capable of functioning with absorption. It is a concentration of attention. There must be no conflict in your mind when you are praying. Think about that. Think, just think about the, when you're praying and you you know, you're thinking, I know this is not going to work. That's conflict. Or, um, please, God, you know, give me money. But God, don't give people money. That's conflict. <laughs> please, God, heal my body. Oh, goodness, I hope this doctor works. That's conflict, right? So you cannot expect that your prayers will automatically show up for you. You know, people talk about law of attraction and praying and, you know, things being instantaneous. Yeah, it's already instantaneous, but it's the conflict within that stops the block, blocks it, stops it. I know, because I do it to myself. I'm not absolved from having conflict when I pray. But the bottom line is when you want things to go the way you are praying, then you can't have doubt or that conflict in you when you're praying. Turn from what is to what ought to be. Assume the mood of fulfilled desire, and by the universal law of reversibility, you will realize your desire. Isn't that delicious? I just love that. I do. So imagination and faith. All righty then, Ms. Deborah, I'm going to let you read page 19 and 20, if you like, if you're still there. Unmute you. Hello? Hello. Hi. Hi. How is everyone? We're on. Awesome. Okay, I'm reading from my book, so my pages are different. And in my book, I'm on page 12. Did you stop at the paragraph where the subjective mind is completely controlled by suggestion? Is that where we are? Um, we're on imagination and faith, which it says prayer, prayers are not successfully made unless there's a rapport. Oh, okay. I don't see that. Chapter three, Deborah. Huh? Chapter Chapter three. three. Okay, but the book must be different because. uh, Let's see. Um, Does it have chapter three in it? Let's see. I can go over. Well, while Deborah is looking for Chapter 3, we 
and discuss a little bit what's going on with, um, does everybody understand the subject mind and questions? Any questions? Any comments? Any thoughts? Yeah, I do have. I saw chapter three. Okay. Yeah, imagination and faith. Yes. Yeah. Are you still in the work? Okay. All right, so go ahead. I found it. <laughs> okay. I went to look for the page number you said, and I forgot that I'm reading from the book and not from. I'm not sure what you what you what you all are reading from, but I'm reading from the, that. the physical book. I am too, but my book says page fourteen. So my oh. book is really old. Okay. I mean, like really old. <laughs> <laughs> But we're on imagination and faith. Do you want to go ahead? Okay, imagination and faith. I'm here. Uh, It says, prayers are not successfully made unless there is rapport between the conscious and subconscious mind of the operator. This is done through imagination and faith. By the power of imagination, all men, certainly imaginative men, are forever casting forth enchantment, and all men, especially unimaginative men, are continually passing under their power. Can we ever be certain that it was not our mother while darning our socks who began that subtle change in our minds? If I can unintentionally cast an enchantment over persons, there is no reason to doubt that I am able to cast intentionally a far stronger enchantment. Just stop right there for a second. So look at that. By the power of imagination, all men, certainly imaginative men, are forever casting forth enchantments, and all men, especially unimaginative men, are continually passing under their power. That's kind of a powerful statement right there, I'm thinking. Because mm-hmm. about it, if somebody is very good, right? They're really good with their imagination and really, really powerful. I mean, either way, look at look at Hitler. Well, he, look what he created with his powerful imagination. It wasn't good. It wasn't any. It wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. But look what he created. That was some powerful yeah. mess right there. Yeah. Oh, a whole race, several races of people at one point. And look at the look what he created from being this all I think he was adopted individual, I don't even know, orphaned. But he wasn't he wasn't he didn't have a whole lot up. And look at the devastation he caused. And then you have someone who's very powerful in their imagination creating I don't know. Apple products. <laughs> I'm not saying that it was so bad. Steve Jobs created a whole platform, a whole system with him and other people in his imagination. People still use, they're using right now, every day, technologies, right? So you could be that powerful. You're either going to be the person with the power, creating or you're going to be falling under somebody else's power who's more powerful in their imagination than you. It's up to you. You have a choice. We all do. Okay, but go ahead. 
Okay. Everything that can be seen, touched, explained, argued over is to the imaginative man nothing more than a means for he functions by reason of his controlled imagination in a deep of himself where every idea exists in itself and not in relation to something else. In him, there is no need for the restraints of reason, for the only restraint he can obey is the mysterious instinct that teaches him to eliminate all moods other than the mood of fulfilled desire. Imagination and faith are the only faculties of mind needed to create objective conditions. The faith required for the successful operation of the law of consciousness is is a purely subjective faith and is attainable upon the cessation of active opposition on the part of the objective mind of the operator. It depends upon your ability to feel and accept as true what your objective senses deny. Neither the passivity of the subject nor his conscious agreement with your suggestion is necessary, for without his consent or knowledge he can be given a subjective order which he must objectively express. It is a fundamental law of consciousness that by telepathy we can have immediate communion with another. To establish rapport, you call the subject mentally. Focus your attention on him mentally. They focus your attention on him and mentally shout his name just as you would to attract the attention of anyone. Imagine that he has answered and mentally hear his voice. Represent him to yourself inwardly in the state you want him to obtain. Then imagine that he is telling you in the tones of ordinary conversation what you want to hear. Mentally answer him. Tell him of your joy in witnessing his good fortune. Having mentally heard with all the distinctness of reality that which you wanted to hear, and having thrilled to the news heard, return to objective consciousness. Your subjective conversation must awaken what it affirms. Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. It is not a strong will that sends the subjective word on its mission so much as it is clear thinking and feeling the truth of the state affirmed. When belief and will are in conflict, belief invariably wins. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It is not what you want that you attract. You attract what you believe to be true. Therefore, get into the spirit of these mental conversations and give them the same degree of reality that you would a telephone conversation. If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that ye have received them, and ye shall have them. The acceptance of the end wills the means, and the wisest reflection could not devise more effective means than those which are willed by the acceptance of the end. Mentally talk to your friends as though your desires for them were already realized. Okay. Imagine, okay. You can stop 
right there for a bit. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I had a question. Did uh, what do you, what are your thoughts about controlled reverie? I'm sorry. I know that was controlled reverie. Right. No, I just wanted to like if we could discuss controlled reverie. Like, it, has anyone had any experience with that? Or like, do you feel like that worked? That's what I had when I first started reading Neville. That part was a little hard for me to understand. Like that that controlled reverie part that you enter into, and you said that that's most when you're most susceptible to accepting uh, what is it uh, a subjective. And your senses are diminished. You know what I'm right. talking about? Right. So it's from, you, it's from the previous chapter. Right. The controlled reverie. Well, that's when Neville talks about the drowsy state. Right. Yeah. So right before you drift off to sleep, or right before you don't even have to do it right before you drift off to sleep. You could do it in this when you're sitting in your chair and you get into a drowsy state. You're not. Sleeping, you're sort of sleeping. You're just very relaxed. You're close to sleeping, but you're not quite sleeping. It's a dreamy state. And when you control that, and that is doing a, remember when he gives us a, to do when you're trying to smell the rose or you're trying to feel the softball. And, or the, the tennis ball, and you're trying to actually feel the feel it in your imagination. You can feel it. You can smell the rose. You can feel the thorns. You can feel the little pricklies on the edge of the leaves. You can smell the scent. And if you do that often enough in that state and you're really imagining a friend giving you a bounty of roses... Don't know who's what friend is going to show up for you with those roses, but that's the controlled reverie. You're controlling the imagination instead of just allowing your imagination to run amok. So you're in a sleepy state, controlling your imagination. Controlled reverie. It's a dreamy state. That makes sense. That's what I. That's how I use it. It's the same thing. The drowsy state. It's not in your reality yet, right? Right. So it's in your imagination. Reverie means dreamy state, you know, or fanciful. It's not real yet because you, in your, well, it is real. It's always going to be real, but it's not in your physical yet. So for most people, reverie is fanciful. It's dreaming. You're in the clouds. You got your head in the so put your head in the clouds. I say go get your head in the clouds. <laughs> and just control the state while you're there. So if you control your imagination and decide, okay, uh, this is how I'm going to, this is what I choose to experience. It's just like when I controlled my imagination by living in New York. I had no idea how that was going to manifest itself. I just knew that I was going to move back. I didn't know how everything was going to unfold. Just like when I imagined myself walking again, I didn't understand how that was going to unfold. I didn't understand how any of it would unfold. Any of it. But it has. 
And in a way that you don't know, it will unfold itself. But when we get to the point where we are anxious about it, that's when you put in the block up. It's when you just relaxed. Neville has said it a million times. It's that relaxed, drowsy state. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. Cool. Does that make sense to everyone? Linda and uh, Aaron, Garen, let me know if you can hear me. Okay. Okay. So I don't know if um, sometimes I get sidetracked, you know, in my state. (laughs) I will drift off and I'll go into the other regions, who knows where. And then I go, wait a minute, what are you doing? You got to come back. Come back over here, you know, and have to pull myself back in to my own reverie, my own dreamy state that I'm that I'm creating. You know, so I if if you drift off, it's not it's nothing bad about drifting off into, you know, wherever you're choosing to drift off into or, you know, wherever your imagination takes you. Nothing wrong with that. It's just going to take you longer <laughs> to manifest what it is that you're choosing to create. That's all. doesn't mean it's not happening. It just means it's going to take you longer because you're, it's not controlled. It's like you know how to control a car. We know how to control a car better than we know how to control our imaginations. Right? Yeah, very true. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm serious. You know that some of the conversations you and I have had, and I've been reading Neville since 2009, and oh, my gosh. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's easier to control that than our own imagination. And forget about when you're driving the car where your imagination goes to. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I already crazy. told you all about my, my sidewalk rage. You know, I have to pull myself back in every day. Every day I have to pull myself back in. Because I just want to walk over people as I'm walking around New York. You see I'm walking here? You see me? (laughs) Okay, I got back in. doing it from a chair. Oh, my gosh. And people walk right in front of you and you're thinking, you see this wheelchair? Move out of the way. I'm only going two miles an hour, so move. Go to the left or to the right, but don't step right in front of me. And then they always say, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. It's like, but you saw me coming. I mean, this chair is huge. Right. (laughs) So that's all I'm saying. It is a daily, daily, constant, daily battle with yourself because no one ever. We've been been reading Neville since 2009, right, Mm -hmm. here in the room. So... I mean, however long you've been on this planet, right, compared mm-hmm. to the short period of time that we've been reading Neville, yeah, we got work to do. Since 2009, we've been reading Neville. That does not mean that now, because we've read everything about Neville and we've studied our metaphysical Bible dictionary and we played in our imaginations that we have this control, 
don't know how long you've been on the planet, but I've been on the planet quite a long time. So for me, since 2009 to now, 2016, that is a short span of time. And in between all of that, I've been in and out of Neville, in and out of wiki wackiness, falling down, whatever, getting evicted, losing losing my space, you know, all of that. But the cool thing that I love is that I can always come back to this. It's right here. It's like a it's like a warm blanket, snuggly. I can come back and go, okay, don't beat yourself up too badly. Get yourself in there and do some work. And it's and it's it's wonderful. You know, and it's wonderful that I can get back to my tools. Go right digging in my toolbox. Wait a minute. You know what used to work? This used to work really well. Let me see. Let me go get that out of there, right? And start using it, whatever tool is necessary. That's the wonderful thing about waking up every day. You get another opportunity to go ahead and try, go ahead and do it again, go ahead and play, go ahead every single day. Sure, last night you may have had stress. But this morning, you could wake up and start all over. Now with the stress. I mean, you could start all over with the stress, or you could start all over, you know, doing your work. That's all. Right? No? Okay. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's my story. Sticking to it anyway. Oh, look who's here. Debbie. Debbie is new to the Indigo Room. Well, she's not new to the Indigo Room, actually. She's new to us, but she's been listening to the Indigo Room for like a year, over a year, every day. She's been downloading the podcast. So we want to say hi to Debbie and welcome Debbie. Everybody, give Debbie a warm welcome. Hello, Debbie. Hi. Hi, Debbie. I don't know. Can she hear us? Debbie, can you hear us? Debbie, can you hear us? Um, The thing that I I wanted to um, go back to uh, something that you read, um, Deborah, and that was to establish rapport. You call the subject mentally. Yes, and focus your attention on him and mentally shout his name just as you would to attract the attention of anyone. I recently because I, you know, we we started I re started read <laughs> I started rereading um this at the end of December. And uh one of my sons was uh feeling very very he he felt like he was in a black hole or a cloud or, you know, just very, very depressed. I mean, you know, I've talked about my sons and um, shared with you sometimes our relationships are great and sometimes it's not so great. But anyway, um, he had called and he was just in this really dark place, you know. And I just happened to be rereading Neville's resurrection around the time that he called me. And what I came upon was this particular paragraph, and I go, oh, yes, that's right. I can do that. 
So I got in my in my imagination and mentally called his name and, you know, saw him turn around in my imagination and I shouted his name and um, I had this mental conversation with him. Not not very often. It was like a couple, matter of a couple of days, actually, this little exercise with my son. And I'm calling him, you know, I said, Sean. And then I see him turn around in, in my imagination, all things, the whole thing, right, played out. And sure enough, um, and I and I played exactly what I wanted to hear from him. You know, I I didn't want to hear him. Well, yeah, 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 Cleopatra's back. I didn't want to hear him be in this dark place, right? I wanted to hear him be in a happy space and and I wanted to have this conversation with him. So I did it first in my imagination and I put the words in his mouth, right? I put the words in his mouth. And because I think, this is what I feel, because he's open to the suggestion, right? He's open to the suggestion. I didn't have this conversation with him physically. I only had this conversation with him in my imagination. Because he was open to my suggestion, suggestion, was able to receive that. And not shortly after that, the conversation that I had with him mentally became the conversation that I had with him physically. And he did like this 180 degree turn. So I'm just saying that we do have the, the that that power to be able to do that for another. If the other is open. Now, if the other is not open, it's not going to be that easy. It's going to be kind of difficult. You know, you're still going to have, it's like beating your head against the wall sometimes. But if the other is open to suggestion, it's really not that difficult to do. So um, I just wanted to uh, share that, share that with you. And try it, because your subjective conversations must awaken what is affirmed. He had already, it was already affirmed. It was affirmed between he and I, basically. He didn't know I was doing this. He still doesn't. He doesn't listen to my show anymore. (laughs) So he'll never know (laughs) that I had this conversation with him in my mind. Never know. But you all know now, and I encourage you to do that for another. You can do that for another. I've done it quite a bit with different people. They don't know that I've done it, you know. Um, And I've had mental conversations with them in my mind, good ones, right? So um, what Neville says is very powerful and it's very true. I do want to thank you for reading... um, Deborah, I'm going to let Linda read now. Um, I want to share a brief one, if I could. I, I did the same thing. Uh, our neighbor has uh, a landscape landscaper that, oh, my gosh, he used to cut the grass every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock in the morning. And at first I Yeah, just, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I was so frustrated with him. I just wanted to scream. And one Sunday he cut it, it, I think it was Father's Day, and we hadn't even 
awoken yet to give my husband his father's day gift or anything, and it was just on. I just kept thinking, this man is making me crazy. And so I went kind of to the left, and it was, I was thinking, I was thinking not so pleasant thoughts about what could happen to him, and maybe they would hire someone else or he'd get fired. And I thought, no, no, no. I remembered something that Neville said. I just started conversing with him and telling him thank you for cutting the grass on Saturdays after 11, giving us time to wake up, you know, on my husband's day off. And he stopped cutting the grass on Sunday and he started cutting the grass on Saturday, but not till sometime between 11.30 and 12. I was so happy. <laughs> I was so happy I didn't know what to do with myself. I remember uh, that. And, it, and, he, and it, so it, the next year, he started cutting back and cutting it again on Sundays at 9, and I went back to my match. I said, remember? I remember when you started cutting the grass on Saturdays. I said, are you going back to Saturdays? And he said, yes, we're going back to Saturdays next week, probably around 12 o'clock because my schedule has changed. Now, I don't know this man from Adam. I don't know what he does other than he cuts their grass. <laughs> and uh, the next year he came back and, it, within two weeks, he was cutting the grass again on Saturdays after 11 o'clock. I was so happy. <laughs> oh. Yes, so mm-hmm. you, you, we just have to remind ourselves at those times when it has worked and, and we have used those techniques, you know. And they, I think it works on animals, too, because we had a dog that was barking over our backyard, and I was like, oh, thank you for being such a quiet puppy. Oh. And he stopped barking. I just After a while, the barking just stopped. I was just so grateful. Yeah, it does. It works with, it works when we work it. Mm-hmm. I uh Debbie might be on the call. I'm not sure. She looks like she was trying to log in and then got locked out and maybe she called in. I'm not sure. But I wanna check really quickly and thank you, Deborah, for sharing that. And then Linda, you can pick up where Deborah left off. I just want to check and see if this is Debbie. Mm-hmm. Is this Debbie? No, this is Painter. <gasps> Painter! Oh, hey. my God. Hi! Hi! <laughs> um, I, how are you? I missed you so much. Oh, my goodness. It's so good to hear your voice. I missed Thank you, too. You. Thank you. Um, I, I'm in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel right now looking okay. at gorgeous jewelry in the window. <laughs> Um, and I missed I missed the entire I missed the whole show up until now because I was working oh, and I'm taking okay. I'm taking a quick break from work to call in but um I listened to the show from last week I listened to a recording of it and I appreciated it so much and I'm gonna listen to the recording of this one later. Oh, cool! Yeah, painter. Um, yeah. You have to, you have to connect with me um, in Second Life at some point, or send me an email at um, the Indigo Room One at AOL dot com if you can remember. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. Because I need to chat with you. You know, I'm back in New York City, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I sent okay. you a message um, before, but I think you didn't get it because you were probably super busy. But I might have. Yeah, I know you're in New York because. I heard, I listened to the whole um, podcast from start to finish from for last week. So I listened to the story about how you how? Like, like didn't know what you were going to do. And then you found a, like it, everything worked out perfectly. I listened to that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we have to so, 
Oh my goodness, it's so good to hear your voice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. Yeah, and I love the I love the um I love the podcast but from last week. It was super cool. Thank you. Well, it's good to um, be back. Yeah, and I won't uh oh, sorry. I was going to say I won't elaborate on it cuz I don't know where you're at in this in your show now cuz I just tuned in, so I don't want to be like you know, going off tangent. Um, well, we'll come, back. To... we'll come back. We'll come back to everybody um, after Linda yeah. finishes reading. If you're still okay. on, all okay, right. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, okay, cool, cool. Okay. Good to have you okay. here. Okay, thank you. Bye. Shalom and welcome, tattered flag, Debbie Andrew. Welcome. It's good to have you here, and painter whom we haven't talked to in a long time, and Deborah and Linda is going to read. You ready, Linda? Yes. Okay, I'm going to put myself on mute. Oh, I'm going to put you on mute too, um, Deborah, while while she reads, okay? Okay. Imagination is the beginning of the growth of all forms, and faith is the substance out of which they are formed. By imagination, that which exists in latency or is asleep within the deep consciousness is awakened and is given a form. The cures attributed to the influence of certain medicines, relics, and places are the effects of the imagination and faith. The curative power is not in the spirit that is in them. It is in the spirit in which they are accepted. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. The subjective mind is completely controlled by suggestion. So, whether the object of your faith be true or false, you will get the same results. There is nothing unsound in the theory of medicine or in the claims of the priesthood for their relics and holy places. The subjective mind is the patient accepting The subjective mind of the patient accepts the suggestion of health conditioned on such states, and as soon as these conditions are met, proceeds to realize health. According to your faith, be it done unto you, for all things are possible to him that believeth. Confident expectation of a state is the most potent means of bringing it about. The Confident expectation of a cure does that which no medical treatment can accomplish. Failure is always due to an antagonistic auto-suggestion by the patient, arising from objective doubt of the power of the medicine or relic or from doubt of the truth of the theory. Many of us, either from too little emotion or too much intellect, both of which are stumbling blocks in the way of prayer, cannot believe that which our senses deny. To force ourselves to believe will end in greater doubt. To avoid such counter-suggestion, the patient should be unaware objectively of the suggestions which are made to him. The most effective method of healing or influencing the behavior of others consists in what is known as the silent or absent treatment. When the subject is unaware, objectively, of the suggestion given him, 
There is no possibility of him setting up an antagonistic belief. It is not necessary that the patient know, objectively, that anything is being done for him. From what is known of the subjective and objective processes of reasoning, it is better that he should not know objectively of that which is being done for him. The more completely the objective mind is kept in the ignorance of the suggestion, the better will the subjective mind perform its function. The subjective subconsciously accepts the suggestion and thinks he originated it, proving the truth of Spinoza's dictum that we know not the causes that determine our actions. The subconscious mind is the universal conductor which the operator modifies with his thoughts and feelings. Visible states are either the vibratory effects of subconscious vibrations within you, or they are the vibratory causes of corresponding vibrations within you. A disciplined man never permits them to be causes unless they awaken him in him desirable states of consciousness. With a knowledge of the law of reversibility, the disciplined man transforms his world by imagining and feeling only what is lovely and of good report. The beautiful idea he awakens within himself shall not fail to arouse its affinity in others. He knows the savior of the world is not a man, but the manifestation that would save. The sick man's savior is health. The hungry man's savior is food. The thirsty man's savior is water. He walks in the company of the savior by assuming the feeling of his wish fulfilled. By the law of reversibility that all transformations of force are reversible, the energy or feeling awakened transforms itself into the state imagined. He never waits four months for the harvest. If in four months the harvest will awaken in him a state of joy, then inversely, the joy of harvest now will awaken the harvest now. Now is the acceptable time to give beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Thank you, Linda. Okay. Debbie keeps getting logged into and out of the chat, poor thing. I'm going to see you logged in and stayed in. That's it. I'm I'm joyful now because you stayed in the chat. (laughs) I just want to go back to um, what you just read that is really very um, important because it talks about the imagination is the beginning of the growth of all forms and faith is the substance out of which they are formed. And so... You know, we're told, and medicine does work, and and Neville's not saying that medicine doesn't work and these old relics don't work, but it's not them, the thing, a physical thing that's working. It's the idea that you believe or you have faith in that item. 
that does the work. It's not the actual item because, you know, tests have been run a billion times about placebos, right? And the placebo can have the same healing effect as the actual physical medicinal thing, right? So if that's the case, then it has to stand to reason that there's something, something other than the than the actual physical form of medicine that's working on your behalf when you heal, on your behalf when you feel better. It's the belief that, and I, I know, because <clears throat> when I'm in pain, I go get an Advil, right? <laughs> because it's the belief that the Advil is going to take my pain away right now because I can't get into that state in, when I'm in pain, when I'm in physical pain, I can't get into that state of not necessarily not feeling that pain. So I need help. And what's going to help me is the belief because I believe that the Advil is going to help me. So I take the Advil, and that knocks the pain out. Now, did the Advil knock the pain out, or did my belief in the Advil knock the pain out? And it's just stating, again, the joy if you wait four months for the harvest, you're going to have joy. You're going to be joyful when the harvest comes. Well, if, the, if we're looking at the law of reversibility, then if you're going to be joyful when the harvest comes, then maybe you should get joyful now, right now, and the harvest comes, right? So if you're joyful after the harvest and the state of the harvest now showing up for you is what makes you joyful, then if you're joyful, that will make the harvest show up for you. That's what he's saying. So when we get into the state of the dream already fulfilled or the desire already fulfilled, believing that, knowing that, and having faith in that, but, you know, we're human in this physical reality, and we, the doubts come in because, you know, we look at the appearance and didn't the harvest didn't show up yet. Well, when is the harvest coming? As soon as you start doing that, you take yourself out of the state. So every time you go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, it takes longer for it to grow. That's just how it is. Look at the cake in your oven. You open it up and is it done yet? No. Close it. Is it done yet? No. Close it. Is it done yet? Open, close, open, close. That cake will take forever to bake. Then if you just left it alone and you just had faith in the fact that you have the temperature at the right level, you put all the ingredients in the cake and you put the cake in the oven and you close the door and you walk away and you give it time. Let it do what it do. Right? It'll it'll bake. It'll it'll do it'll come to the end of what you have expected it to be. But, you know, we don't do that. I know I've been guilty of that myself. Right? You get into the reverie, you get into that state and you feel the wish fulfilled and you feel the desire and 
Then you open your eyes and nah, it ain't here. It's, it ain't here right now, Sid. What are you talking about? No, it's not there yet. But you have to remain in that faithful state. So this is a very powerful piece to remind us, you know, to, to get in that reverie, get in that mood, get in the feeling, what would it feel like if it were true? Now, what would it feel like today? What would the air feel around you like? What would that feel like? Would the air even feel different? Would what you're seeing now look different? Or would it be the same? Would you be sitting at that same particular desk that you're sitting at now where your computer is? Would you be holding the same particular phone where the dream that you see for yourself a reality? Or would it be different? Would you be standing physically where you're standing or sitting at now? Or would it be different? What would that feel like if it were true? That is the state that Neville is trying to get us to understand and to get ourselves in. Because, you know, you can be in any kind of state you want. You have the ability to change the states. Something makes you wicky-wacky, you go into wicky-wacky hell eight. Hell, right? You're in that state. You could also take yourself out of that state, put yourself in a different state. It is not always easy. It is just not impossible. It's always possible. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I did not say that. But it is possible to always remove yourself from one state to the next. You can do it easily or you can do it with a lot of stress and strain and trepidation and crying and carrying on. And that's not saying that those places are bad for you. They just don't feel good. So when you're in those spaces, give yourself the ability to allow yourself to be in that space if you need to, acknowledge it, and then move from it. Okay. So um, we are going to stop here. And Linda, do you have something you want to share regarding what we just read? We're going to go into Controlled Reverie next week. Or maybe we'll just finish Controlled Reverie. Linda, you want to finish Controlled Reverie? Um, I don't know what you mean. I finished the chapter. chapter I'm sorry, Chapter 4. I did. Oh, did we read that? Yeah, we went all the way to the end. To oh, yeah, we did. Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I meant law of transmission, but we can pick that one up next week, actually. Yeah. I, I can't really. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Um, but do you have something you want to share about what we just read? Well, you know, when it was talking about, I mean, I've, I've done this where I've, I've, uh, I mean, that's part of what Reiki is when you do Reiki remotely for somebody. Right. Um, Though, you know, you picture them surrounded by golden light or, um, you know, uh, um, receiving, you know, healing energy, and that's all you do. You You don't, you know, send it to a particular spot or anything. You're just, you know, 
you're envisioning them healthy, basically. And um, so uh, that's another form of controlled revelry for um, other people. Um, And even just, you know, I think to me it's like I have a friend who has a mother-in-law who's off her rocker. Mm. And, you know, and I keep, um, uh, you know, sending positive energy and so I'm going, oh, right, I can use this. I forgot about this tool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to use that tool. (laughs) Big time. Right? uh, Yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, because sometimes, you know, sometimes one way of thinking or one tool doesn't quite fit or it doesn't quite fit and then you go, oh wait, I can do this. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's very and it, you know, they nobody, you know, they don't need to know you're doing anything. Right. The worst thing you can do, from personal experience, you don't tell them nothing. But when they say, oh, this happened or that, oh, that's great to hear. Right. You know. You are absolutely right. You know, so many people, um, I have done that with as well. And I don't say anything. You know, you keep it to yourself. Shut it up. Shut it up. Shut you, it don't up. Any, you don't need any acknowledgement. You know what you did. Right. Absolutely. And, it, and it, nine times out of ten, they think that they, they had the thought anyway. <laughs> so you coming along saying, well, you know, you know what? I, I, well, I was thinking that for you. I, you know, they're, they're not going to believe you anyway because it came out of them, you know, the thought or the action or the idea or the concept right. or or right. the feeling or whatever, yep. you know. Yep. You just sit back and you go, yep, it does work. You know, I, I, I did do that. I know I know what I did. I know what I did in my imagination. I know what I said. Just like I said to you with my son, I know what I did with Sean. I know what I said. And the reason why I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm just telling you all that because I know that it works. And I know that he's not going to listen to the show. <laughs> and, this, and this is always, um, this is always, this is a good way to do a test. If you're not quite confident that, you know, you can project how your future is, why don't you see, use this and see, you know, as a, quote, test, unquote. Or this is a baby step, you know? Yes, I, I agree. If you have just to say bye to Yaren. He's leaving. He's going bye, Aaron. to. So enjoy. We bid you shalom to. <laughs> Have fun. See you next Saturday. And uh, I'm going to open up the line quickly so we can chat with Painter and Deborah before they leave and before we roll up out of here today. Hi. So the Hi. next chapter, the next chapter you have in your in your book is uh, the Law of Thought Transmission. Yes, that's the next one. We're going to read that next week. Okay, because the next chapter in my book is called Controlled Reverie for number four. 
Okay, see, I think, um, yeah, so. All right, well, I'll just read that ahead, and then I'll be up for Chapter 5 where you all are. Yeah, Law of Thought Transmission is what we have as 5. Okay, so 5, but we didn't read the code already. Number 4? <laughs> or what Linda just read, Chapter 4 in your book. What I just read was Chapter 4, and um, okay. so it sounds like what they did was, in the old book, they split it up into two chapters instead of one. Actually, no, I, guess, I guess that's kind of crazy because now that I'm looking at it, Chapter 4 controlled in my book <laughs> is Controlled Reverie. Yeah, they mentioned Controlled Reverie in a previous chapter at the end of the And the three yes. is what it's, you just finished, Imagination and Faith. Right. That's right. what I have. Okay. So control referee is four. So are we right. four next week or five? So next week we'll read five. I'll read I'll read four right now. Let's just finish okay. that up. That sounds great. Okay. All right. Everyone is amiable to the same psychological laws which govern the ordinary hypnotic subject. We didn't read that. Right? No. Nope. No. Okay. He is amiable to control by suggestion. In hypnosis, the objective senses are partly or totally suspended. However, no matter how profoundly the objective senses are locked in in hypnosis, subjective faculties are alert, and the subject recognizes everything that goes on around him. The activity and power of the subjective mind are proportionate to the sleep of the objective mind. Wait. The activity and power of the subjective mind are proportionate to the sleep of the objective mind. Suggestions which appear powerless when presented directly to objective consciousness are highly efficacious when the subject is in the hypnotic state. The hypnotic state is unaware. Objectively, in, objectively. in hypnotism... Put you all on mute for a minute. In hypnotism, uh, where did I lose my spot? What happened? I lost my spot. I looked third line. (laughs) Okay. In hypnotism, the conscious mind is put to sleep and the subconscious powers are exposed so as to be directly reached by suggestion. It is easy to see from this, providing you accept the truth of mental suggestion, that anyone not objectively aware of you is in a profound hypnotic state relative to you. Therefore, curse not the king, no, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 20. What you sincerely believe as true of another, you awaken within him. So just like when, you know, because I have sidewalk rage. I'm going to stop saying that, but it's true. <laughs> 
I experience sidewalk rage. And every time I every time I have that moment when somebody cuts me off and I'm walking and they you know, they walk in front of me or they jump in front of me, I get into the mode of at first I'm like, Oh, you sit and then I catch myself and I say, God bless you And I bless them. I bless everybody that's around me at that point when I'm in that, that state. Because when you are sending out those wiki-wacky suggestions to those people, you don't think that they hear you, but they do. We don't think they hear us because it's in our mind, but they do. And they act accordingly. No one need be entranced in the ordinary manner to be helped. So what he's saying is nobody needs to be hypnotized in order to be helped. If the subject is consciously unaware of the suggestion and if the suggestion is given with conviction and confidently accepted by the operator as true, then you have the ideal setting for a successful prayer. Represent the subject to yourself mentally as though he had already done that which you desire him to do. Mentally speak to him and congratulate him on having done what you want him to do. Mentally see him in the state you want him to obtain. Within the circle of its action, every word subjectively spoken awakens objectively what it affirms. Incredulity on the part of the subject is no hindrance when you are in control of your reverie. Bold assertion by you, while you are partly subjective in a, in a partly subjective state, awakens what you affirm. Self-confidence on your part and the thorough belief in the truth of your mental assertion are all that is needed to produce results. Visualize the subject and imagine that you hear his voice. This establishes contact with his subjective mind. Then imagine that he is telling you what you want to hear. If you want to send him words of health and wealth, then imagine that he is telling you, I have never felt better. And I have never had more. And mentally hear him of, and mentally tell him of your joy in witnessing his good fortune. Imagine that you, what? Imagine that you see and hear his joy. A mental conversation with the subjective image of another must be in a manner which does not express the slightest doubt as to the truth of what you hear and say. I'm going to tell you, it's very difficult. It's not impossible, but it is very difficult to do that when the person is in your space, right? Because you may see them, you know, it may not manifest right away, especially if you're in a doubtful state, but it's not impossible. I have done that with my own kids in the same house and Cleopatra even. Sometimes, like, you know, she's barking crazy. It can be difficult, you know, to imagine her quiet because she's in your space. So I'm not saying that it's imp- that uh, it's not it's easy to do with another when they're right there, you know, with you. But it can be done. Um, only fixed ideas can awaken their vibratory correlates in those toward whom they are directed. In the controlled reverie, ideas must be subject must be suggested with the utmost care. If you do not control your imagination in the reverie, 
Your imagination will control you. See, I know that to be true. Whatever you suggest with confidence is law to the subjective mind. It is under obligation to objectify that which you mentally affirm. Not only does the subject execute the state affirmed, but he does it as though the decision had come of itself or the idea had been originated by him. Control of the subconscious is dominion over all. Each state obeys one's mind's control. Control of the subconscious is accomplished through control of your beliefs, which in turn is the all-potent factor in the production of visible states. Imagination and faith are the secrets of creation. Okay, so we're going to stop there today. (laughs) And uh, I think we lost um, Deborah, but we're going to stop there today and finish uh, the Law of Thought Transmission next week. And I want to thank you all for joining us today. And um, if you have any thoughts or um, that you want to share with regards to what we just read, then um, we can uh, you can do that right now. Deborah, did I lose you? I think so. Did we lose Deborah? I think so, right? Okay. Is every is everybody there? I'm here. All right. <laughs> Hi. Okay. I think Painter is here still. Painter. Okay. I think we lost Painter too. All right. Well, Linda. It's so just you and me still. Do you have any last parting words? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the week. Thank you. Yeah, we're done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for this week. Next week we're going to read the um, Chapter 5, Law of Thought Transmission. So I would suggest that you all play around with this a little bit, Controlled Reverie, and um, see what you can come up with. And I look forward to hearing some of your testimonies next week. And I want to thank you all for being here. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Deborah, for reading. Thank you, Painter, for joining us. I unmuted you, but I think you're still, uh, I don't know where you, what happened. You might have been disconnected. Thank you, Yaren and Debbie, Andrew, and uh, who else is that? Um, guest 8 and Tattered Flag. We thank you. See you next week. Bye, Linda. Hello? Okay. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? 
Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.